What's in a name? Does it really matter what we call something? Some people are proud of their names, and some people want to forget them. Some names are distinctive, but do they really say who we are? God has many names, and each speaks volumes about it. He reveals himself to us through them. Come join us as we explore the power of God's name. Hey, you know what? I had someone recently ask me if, uh, if I got nervous when I went to preach. And I was like, no, no I don't really get nervous anymore. Like, like when I was much younger, um, I used to get very nervous when I was supposed to preach. And I, I would get so nervous, I just would be sick to my stomach. I'd be so upset. And, and I just, it was rough whenever I had to preach, you know. And, and I realized, like I, I was thinking about my answer to that person. I was like, well... No, I don't get nervous like that anymore because when I was younger and I, I would get nervous, that nervousness was really about me, you know? Like I, I was worried that I was going to say something stupid, you know? I was worried that I was going to say something that wasn't true. You know, I was worried that I was going to look out in the crowd and everybody was going to be asleep. You know, I, I worried about things like that. Um, and yet this week I realized, I was like, no, no, you still do get nervous when you preach. It's just different. It's different now. And I was trying to think about why it was so different. And, and the difference is I used to worry about me. And I used to worry about what I was going to say and what people would think about me. And I think at some point, and I don't know when, it, it switched because I really didn't care about that anymore. And I realized, yeah, I still do get nervous. But it's nerves because as someone who's sharing God's word, I want to do the very best I can to share the truth of God's word, you know? And, and as I stand up here, I don't want to do anything or say anything that detracts from God's word. And so my anxiousness was really about doing my best to represent God. And, and really, that's what I want to do this morning. As we look at God's word, is for us to look at it and allow God's word to be powerful in our hearts and in our minds. Not, not any words that I have to say, but the words that are, that are coming from, from God's word. All right, let's, let's pray. Father, we, we do love you. And you are a good, good father. And even right now, Lord, I thank you for that worship team that, that led us in those songs of praise to you. I thank you for their service to you. I thank you that long before any of us even thought about getting here this morning, that they were here uh, practicing and doing their best for you. And so I thank you for their service and pray that you would uh, just bless them for that. Lord, we pray that you would be with this time that we spend in your word. We pray that it would be an encouragement to us, that it would challenge us, and it would allow us to see you uh, just for who you really are. Uh, thank you, Father. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, so we've been going through this series called What's in a Name? And so we've been looking at different names of God. And, and I want, before we finish it this morning, before we look at the last passage, I want to kind of remind us of where, uh, where we have been. In the, in the first week, Pastor Rob talked about the word Elohim, the idea that God is the powerful creator. And so God created us, and so that's what Pastor Rob was talking about. But then Pastor Rob's last point in the sermon, and I won't ask you to tell me what it was, um, but Pastor Rob's last point in his sermon was reminding us that God is for us. 
Like God created us and he's on our side. Like, like he is with us. And so as his creation, he loves us and he wants what is best for us. Uh, in the second week, we looked at Jehovah Jireh, the idea that God is our provider. And God provides in so many, many different ways. But we looked at the story of Abraham and Isaac, how God finally gave Isaac the child of promise. And, and, and Abraham and Sarah must have been so excited about this. But then God tells Abraham to take Isaac out into the woods and sacrifice him. Could you imagine how heartbreaking, how, how shocking that must have been? Some of you as parents in the room are like, I'm all for it right now, okay? You know, but like, could you imagine how Abraham felt? And yet the Bible tells us that he was a man of faith, and so he was obedient, and he took Isaac out to go sacrifice him, and how God provided in that situation. So God stopped him from sacrificing his son, and God provided a lamb for the sacrifice, most importantly for us as we think about that story, the idea that, that God has provided a sacrifice for us. We needed a sacrificial lamb. And Jesus came and was that sacrifice for us. And so Jehovah Jireh, God is our provider. Last week we looked at uh, Jehovah Shalom, that God is peace. And in a crazy world, don't we all need some peace? Like if you read the news, if, if you watch TV at all, you know that our world is, is constantly upside down. And I don't know if it's any worse than it used to be. I just think nowadays we know everything right away. You know, 100 years ago, they didn't know what was going on on the other side of the world. Now we know it instantly. And so our world is desperately in need of peace. Our world is desperately in need of comfort. And so our time of struggle, we, we're reminded Pastor Rob reminded us of what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 and 29. He says, come to me, all you are weary and brokenhearted or burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. What a beautiful verse. What a beautiful verse to remember in the turmoil of our lives as we're going through difficulties, saying, Jesus saying, come to me, come to me. And I will give you the rest that you need. And so today, as we look at the fourth name of God, and the truth is, guys, we could spend weeks and months talking about the names of God or attributes of God. And so four weeks is just a short little time. But today we're going to look at Jehovah-Rohi, which is God is our shepherd. But before we get to God is our shepherd, there's, a, there's some other names that I want to mention about God, and if you write these down, I'm sorry, because I, I didn't give Cynthia slides, so just do your best to write them down quickly. But there's a bunch of other names of God that I want us to notice this morning, especially because I think many of them come into play in the passage we're going to look at. The first one is the name Adonai, which means the Lord. God is our majestic Lord, and he is our total authority. God is our boss. Like he is our Lord and he is our master. The second one is Elroy, okay? Elroy, and that one, I don't know why, just for the last couple of weeks made me chuckle because all I could think about was the Jetsons every time I saw <laughs> that name of God, okay? It really has nothing to do with the Jetsons. Some of you might not even know who the Jetsons are, but anyway. Um, Elroy means the God who sees me. The God who sees me. Think about how important that name of God is. It reminds us that there are no circumstances in our lives that escape his awareness. God knows us and he sees us, especially as we're going through hard times. 
but he also sees us and rejoices with us as we're going through great times. The next one is El Shaddai, which means that God is the all-sufficient one or God Almighty. He's the source of all of our blessings. And it reminds us again that our problems are never too big for God to handle. Okay, there's a couple more. And I'm going to butcher their pronunciation, so just bear with me. It'll be okay, okay? Uh, the next one is Jehovah Mekadishkim, okay? That's the bestest I'm going to do today. The bestest? All right, that's the best I'm going to do. Because what it means is it means God, which means the Lord who sanctifies. The Lord who sanctifies. God has set us apart as his people. He has cleansed us from our sins, and he is also the one that helps us as we mature in our faith in him. Next is Jehovah Rapha, which means the Lord who heals. God is our source of all healing. He's provided the ultimate healing for us spiritually, physically, and emotionally. And then lastly is Jehovah Sidkenu, which means the Lord our righteousness, that God is the one who imparts his righteousness to us. We've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God, and we're made righteous through Jesus. And so this morning, we're going to take a look at our passage. If you, if you need a Bible, go ahead and raise your hand. Our ushers will come down. We'll pass out some Bibles. Um, I see Chuck making his way around. Um, if you're here this morning and, and you don't have a Bible, just raise your hand, take that Bible from Chuck, and take it home with you. Keep it, okay? Um, but we're going to look at Psalm 23 for the rest of you all. So go ahead and open up your Bibles to Psalm 23. All right, Psalm 23. <clears throat> it says, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What a beautiful psalm. I, I sat in my office at one point in the last month and wondered, could I just get away with standing up here for a half hour and rereading that psalm? over and over and over again because it's such a beautiful psalm. Like, I don't know about you, most of the time when you hear that psalm, you hear it at funerals. Like it's a funeral psalm for some reason. And I'm looking at that passage going, what a beautiful passage of scripture. It's more than just something to be read at a funeral. What a beautiful, beautiful passage. But Psalm 23 is a psalm of David. And David knew a little bit about being a shepherd. He starts off by saying, the Lord is my shepherd. And David understood what that meant. Because long before he defeated Goliath, long before David was vanquishing his enemy, the enemies of Israel, he was an ordinary shepherd boy, tending over the flocks of his father. As a matter of fact, the first time we see David is in 1 Samuel chapter 16. God is already done with Saul. God is going to replace Saul as king. God sends Samuel to the house of Jesse to find Saul's replacement. And if you remember the story, Jesse, you know, Saul, Samuel comes into the house, and Jesse has his kids come before Samuel, and Samuel, like, sees the firstborn. He's big, he's tall, he's good-looking, he's whatever, and he's like, yeah, that's got to be his guy. And what does God do? Nope. 
not him. Okay, nope, not him. Seven sons of Jesse come before Samuel. I think probably on each one, Samuel's thinking that's got to be him. And each time, God is saying, nope, that is not the one. And, and Samuel, I think, probably thinks Jesse has run out of sons. And he's like, do you have any more? Do you have any more anywhere? And he's like, well, I got the youngest. He's out, he's out you know, he's out tending the sheep. Okay, call him, bring him in. You know, and so we know David comes in. God says, yep, that's my man. Okay, yep, that's the one. And so he's anointed and he's set apart for that path to being king. But David understood what it meant to be a shepherd. And so David, I think as David is writing, even writing this psalm, like he's writing about what he knows. Isn't that the way we are? Don't we talk about what we know about? Okay, now some of us talk about what we don't know about, okay? Okay, but, but for most of us, we talk about what we know, okay? And I promise you, I, I type this sentence, I do not mean this as an insult, okay? I just want to be very clear. But what does Pastor Rob talk about? He talks about the Dodgers and he talks about Disneyland, okay? Why does he talk about those things? Because he knows them very well, okay? That's what he knows. He's passionate about those things. Even as a 50-year-old man, he's still passionate about Disneyland, okay? Stop it. <laughs> and so, but, and so I, I, I'm not trying to disparage him. He's not even here to defend himself. But that's the truth, isn't it? We talk about what we know. And so David is using this as an illustration of God and saying this about God because he was a shepherd. He's using that knowledge to explain to us a little bit about God. And so what I want to do this morning is just kind of go through each section of Psalm 23. Because even though it starts off with the Lord is my shepherd, Jehovah Rohi, and it talks about God as our shepherd, almost all the names of God that I mentioned earlier that, that Pastor Rob has preached on, and all but two of the ones that I mentioned to you earlier, I think are all referenced in this chapter. The Lord is my shepherd. If God is, is our shepherd, what does that make us? Makes us sheep, okay? That makes us sheep. Um, we don't have to know anything about shepherds and sheep to understand the job of a shepherd. The job of a shepherd is to watch out for the sheep. And so again, as, as I look at this passage, I say, well, what is David saying? He says, the Lord is my shepherd. He, he's saying that in present tense. The Lord is my shepherd. And what I want us to understand about this passage and as, as we think about how it applies to our lives is, you know, there's all kinds of amazing things that God does in the Bible. Like as we read through the Old Testament, there's all kinds of times where God is the shepherd of Israel and he does amazing things. And we read those things and they're all in the past. Okay? And then we come to the New Testament, and we see Jesus, and we see the disciples, and we see the early church. There's all kinds of amazing things that God does in the New Testament, in the early church. And they're all things that for us happened in the past. But David says, the Lord is my shepherd, present tense. And you know what? Still today, the Lord is our shepherd. He didn't used to be our shepherd. He didn't used to be God's people's shepherd. He is still our shepherd. For each one of us in this room this morning, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is your shepherd. It's not something he used to do. It's not something he used to be in the business of. He's still in the business of shepherding people. Maybe that's what you need to hear this morning. But I want you to know that you have a shepherd that is looking out for you. Even when you don't think so. Even when you don't realize it. Even as you sit here right now. 
I hope that is encouraging to you. The Lord is my shepherd. Now, remember, I talked about how if God is our shepherd, then we're sheep, okay? Can we talk about sheep for a minute? Okay, like, are they known for being intelligent or are they known for being dumb? Okay, well, let's have a little pop quiz here, okay? A little pop quiz. If you believe, if you're sitting here this morning and you believe that sheep are intelligent, go ahead and just raise your hand. Wow. Very skeptical room here. Okay, if you believe that sheep are dumb, go ahead and raise your hand. Okay? If you don't care, go ahead and raise your hand. Okay? Okay, so, so I, did, did anybody raise their hand for sheep or intelligent? I can't see. Every, okay, we had a couple. Okay, we have a couple. So, so this week, um, as I was preparing for the sermon, I've been talking about shepherd and talking about sheep. I mean, what do you do? You've you got to study something, right? So on, on Wednesday and Thursday, I went out to this little sheep farm that's in Newhall called the Shepherd Inn. Okay. No, I didn't. <laughs> There's not really, I mean, there might be, but there isn't really a place called Shepherd Inn in Newhall. I do what everybody else does when they want to know something nowadays. I went to the internet. Okay. The internet never tells us anything that's wrong, right? And when you look up a subject on the internet, everybody on the internet agrees. Okay. They all have one opinion, the right one. So anyway, this week I was looking up sheep on the internet. Kind of a strange thing to type into Google. But anyway, as I was reading, the reality is there's some compelling arguments for why sheep are intelligent. And then there's some things that are rather obvious that talks about how sheep aren't very intelligent. So I'm going to just, I don't, I don't care what you think about sheep. I'm just going to share with you some information and you can decide for yourself what you think. So on the intelligence side, sheep, if there's a predator, they know that they are defenseless. And so they will band together because they realize that there is strength in numbers. Sounds pretty intelligent to me. They're dumb. It is true that they will follow their leaders right into a dangerous situation, such as right off the side of a cliff. Okay? This was in a newspaper article from somewhere in Turkey. I think it was Istanbul, if I remember correctly. Yep, Istanbul, Turkey. Hundreds of sheep followed their leader off a cliff in eastern Turkey, plunging to their deaths this week while shepherds looked on in dismay. 400 sheep fell 15 meters to their deaths in a ravine in the Van province near Iran, but broke the fall of another 1,100 animals who survived. <laughs> Newspaper reports said yesterday, shepherds from Ikizler village neglected the flock while eating breakfast, leaving the sheep to roam free, the Radical Daily said. The loss to local farmers was estimated at $74,000. Okay, sounds pretty dumb to me, right? Okay, if Rob is walking off a cliff, I'm not following behind him. Okay? <laughs> And so sheep will do that. Sounds kind of dumb. Intelligent. A study of sheep found that sheep can remember the faces of more than 50 other sheep for up to two years. Sounds pretty impressive. Okay, we had to be working as a greeter in our lobby. <laughs> okay, dumb. Dumb. On the other side of that, research has also shown that a mama sheep, a ewe, can forget her lamb in as little as four hours. Now, researchers say, researchers, I mean, like they know the mind of a sheep, Okay, but researchers say that this trait is essential for her survival if her lamb were to die. Okay, kind of makes sense. Intelligent. New research is suggesting that sheep could actually be smart enough to cure themselves. Australian researchers believe that sick sheep may actually seek out plants that make them feel better. There's been previous evidence to suggest that animals can detect what nutrients they are deficient in and can develop knowledge about which foods are beneficial or toxic. Now, if that's true, that's very intelligent. Okay. Dumb. Sheep are so dumb that they'll only eat what is right in front of them. 
If they've eaten all the grass in front of them, they won't turn to look for a fresh patch. They'll just start eating dirt. Okay? Now, I don't know. Hey, after doing all this research, I don't know if sheep are really dumb or if they're intelligent. Um, as you can see, there's some dispute over what they are. But you know what? As I think about us as sheep, I think that actually is the perfect way to describe us, isn't it? Because aren't there times in our lives where we do things that are intelligent? Like there are times in our lives where we, we look like we've got it together, like we know what we're doing. We do things that are incredibly smart, incredibly brilliant. And then there are moments where we do things that are incredibly dumb. Like, like people like, were looked, look at us and go, what were you thinking? Like why would you do that? And, and so most of us, we can kind of understand with the two sides of that. I don't know if sheep are intelligent or if they're dumb. But what I do know is that the Lord is my shepherd and that he is watching out for us. The second part of that, David just says, I shall not want. I shall not want. What does that relate to? That relates directly to Jehovah Jireh. God is our provider. But what does it mean when David says, I shall not want? You know what? I'll be honest with you guys. There are some passages of scripture that I don't completely understand. Like I read the Bible and there are times where I read it and I go, what is that talking about? And I've been reading my Bible for a long time. Okay, like I remember sitting, I've sat in Bible classes since fifth grade. I've had a lot of Bible classes and there's still some things I'm like, man, I just don't really understand what that means. And I think that's okay. I think that's okay that there are things that we don't understand. But so what is David saying when he says, I shall not want? Because he can't be saying, hey, there'll never be a time in my life where, where everything is always perfect and I don't ever have any physical or emotional needs. Because we know that's not true. Read some of the other Psalms. Okay, read some of the other Psalms. David has some times of, of real desperation. So when he says, I shall not want, what is he saying? And I think what he's saying is this, is I really believe that as people, each one of us has a, has a void, has a void inside of us that only God can fill. There's a need inside each one of us that only God can fill. And we can try to fill that void with lots of other things. Some of them are good things, and some of them are bad things. But in the end, when we get what we want, we realize that there's still that void. There's still that emptiness. And I can only imagine as David is writing, I shall not want, it isn't because he's never going to be hungry again. It's, never going to be because, it's not going to be because there isn't anything else that he wants. He has everything. It's because he has what is most important. God has filled that void in his life. And so with the contentment, with the joy that comes from the Lord, he can face every other situation and say, I shall not want. Why? Because the Lord is our provider. Next it says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides quiet waters. Last week, Pastor Rob talked about Jehovah Shalom, that God is our peace giver. That's what I read when I see that sentence right there. For David, again, a shepherd, what represents peace to him? Green pastures, quiet waters. That's a picture of peacefulness to him. What is peacefulness to you? Like when you think of peacefulness, what do you think of? I've told you guys many times of my love for Alaska. I've been there twice, and I would go there again tomorrow if I could. For me, that's a picture of peacefulness, just sitting there, 
looking out at the waters, looking out at the mountains and the trees and everything. Like we went to this last summer and at one point we were going on a, sh- on a smaller ship to a, to a little, they called it an island, but it wasn't really an island. And uh, the rest of my family was sitting inside the ship and I was like one of the only people that was going. I went out and stood on top of the deck. It was just standing out on the side, holding onto the rails because it just was so amazing to me. It was so peaceful. I don't know where your peaceful place is, but what I know is that God wants to offer us his peace. The peace that the Bible says passes all understanding. You know, Pastor Rob last week shared the story of him um, uh, at his grandmother's funeral. And I couldn't help as I was listening to that going, man, I have to believe that just about every preacher, every pastor, everyone that's ever done a funeral has a story like that where they had to do something that was incredibly tough. Like for me, it was my grandfather's funeral. But I didn't even make it through the door. Hey, I, I remember sitting in my car on that rainy day. I don't know why it had to rain that day. It couldn't be a beautiful day like today. But I remember sitting in my car before my grandfather's funeral and just crying in my car and saying, all right, Lord, you know what's going on inside of me. I need your peace, and I need it now. Any, any of us who's living the Christian life, we're going to face those situations where we are so desperate for God's peace. But next he says in there, he says, he restores my soul. Do you remember I said the name Jehovah Rapha earlier, that he is our healer? And like I said, life can beat us up sometimes, but God has given us that peace so that our souls can be restored. And in a room like this, we have lots of hurts. We have lots of struggles. We have lots of people that are in need of healing of all different kinds. And Jehovah Rapha, he is our healer. He wants to bring that healing and restoration in our lives. Next, he says, he guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. That's Jehovah Sukenu, the God, the Lord is our righteousness. You know, we can, we can talk a lot about our physical well-being, and I believe that God cares about that. But God, I believe, is far more concerned about our spiritual well-being. Like, he cares about the external, but I think he's far more concerned about our heart. He's constantly trying to show us the right way, the right path. That's why Solomon says, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, he says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. God is our righteousness. But then we come to Elroy. Because then he says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Again, we go through ups and we go through downs. We go through hard times. And sometimes as we go through those hard times, we might have a tendency to say, okay, Lord, where are you? Like as we're going through hard times, maybe a few of us have ever said, hey, God, where where are you in this situation? And what David is telling, well, what David is saying about himself and what he's telling us is, you know what? When we go through those hard times, God is right there with us. He's there to guide us. And he's there to comfort us. Um, In Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 6, Moses is about to die. Joshua is taking over, leading the people. And they're going to go into the promised land finally. And and repeatedly, Moses is telling Joshua, be strong and courageous. And he's telling the people, be strong and courageous. But then in Deuteronomy 31, verse 6, it says, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. 
And then this passage is quoted again in Hebrews 13, 5, where it just says, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. These verses are reminding us that, that God is Elroy, the God who sees us. He sees what's going on in our lives. Next, in, in, in Psalm 23, it says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Jehovah Mechadishkim, the Lord who sanctifies. Now, we don't run around pouring oil on people's heads too much these days, okay? But that is something that a shepherd would understand, okay? As a, shepherd, as a sheep are wandering through the thickets and through the bushes, I don't know what a thicket is, by the way. Um, but as wandering through these things, they'd come back with thorns and stuff on them, with wounds. And so what would a shepherd do? He would tend to his sheep, and he would pour the oil over the sheep's you know, wounds to, to heal them. They also used the pouring of oil over people's head to set them apart. Remember earlier I talked about Samuel going after David, and that's exactly what Samuel did. Samuel poured the oil over David's head to set him apart, that he was going to be king. It's a big task to be called king, like David was being called to. And yet the God who set him apart didn't set him apart without giving him what he needed to do the job. He didn't set him apart to do the job without providing everything that he needed. Let's fast forward to us in the New Testament. God has not left us alone. We know that the Bible tells us that he has given us his Holy Spirit to dwell inside of us, to indwell us, to, to empower us to do what it is that we need. Lastly in the verse, it says, Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And to me, that again references God's peace, the peace of God once again. Before we wrap up this message this morning, there's two more verses that I want us to look at that are in the New Testament because this isn't the only place where the Bible talks about sheep. So if you have your Bible, turn to Luke chapter 15. In Luke chapter 15, this is, a, this is what we call a trilogy of stories, okay? It's a trilogy of parables that Jesus is saying. And so we're all familiar, or most of us are probably familiar with the parable of the lost son, Okay, or the parable of the prodigal son. Like, we understand that story. We know that story. There's a guy who's got children. His youngest son comes and says, hey, Dad, give me my inheritance. I'm going to go do what I want to do. And in the story, the dad gives it to him. The young man goes off, and it's, the Bible says that he wastes the money on wild living. So he loses everything. And what is, in the story, what does he end up doing? Okay, this is a good Jewish boy. What does he end up doing? He ends up feeding pigs for a living, okay? And so he's doing this, and he's so humiliated, and he's so horrified. And then he realizes, man, the people that work for my father have it better than this. I'm going to go back, and I'm going to humble myself before my dad and just hope that I could be one of his servants. And as we know in the story, what does the story tell us? It tells us, that the, number one, that the dad was looking for his child to come back. And number two, when he sees his child, he runs to him, throws the robe around him, and throws a party. Okay? So instead of coming back to a judgmental and angry father who wants to punish him, the boy comes back to a loving father who's looking for him and wants to celebrate that he's been found. Now, it makes sense why that's the story of these three that we're the most familiar with because it's such a powerful story. And when we think about God being like that father, and we all are, are like that son. We've all gone away and done our own thing. It's a powerful story. The second story is the parable of the lost coin. We're not necessarily as familiar with the parable of the lost coin, but basically 
coin is lost, coin is found, they celebrate, okay? Powerful story, okay? <laughs> but I want us, I, I want us to look at the parable of the lost sheep, because this is the one that Jesus starts this whole trilogy off with. In Luke chapter 15, starting in verse 1, it says, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathered around to hear him. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. The Pharisees are unhappy with who Jesus is hanging out with. They don't like the people that Jesus is hanging out with. Jesus is hanging out with sinners, people that have made mistakes. That's all of us, okay? That is who we are. But that's who Jesus is hanging out with. The Pharisees aren't happy about this, and that's why Jesus tells these stories. So then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Does he not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Okay, let me read that last sentence again. I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. What is Jesus saying to them? What is he saying to us in this story? He's trying to explain to the Pharisees, he's trying to explain to us the value of every human life. He, he said every single one of us is valuable to our Father in heaven. I don't know how many people are in the room. There's probably a little over 100 in here. And so what this story is saying is, you know, the reality is if one of you that's sitting in here this morning weren't here, I may not notice that. I may not notice that you weren't at church, okay? Maybe the people around you wouldn't even notice that you weren't the church. But God would notice, okay? And, and that's, I don't say that to make you feel guilty if you don't come to church, I say that to, to reassure us that God sees us and that God cares about us and that God values you incredibly. Pastor Rob is great at reminding us of this and telling us this, that God is for us. And it's so important that God is for you. God does see you and God does care about you. We have a heavenly shepherd that has constantly got his eye on us. Not so he can bust us, not so he can judge us when we do wrong, but he's constantly got his eye on us because he cares for us. All right, one last passage in John chapter 10. In John chapter 10, and we could read more verses in this, but we're going to start in verse 10. Because it says, Jesus is speaking, it says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd who owns the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. 
The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and have authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. Jesus is our good shepherd. There's a whole sermon worth of, of things in that verse. But the two things that I want you to notice, number one is Jesus is telling them that he is willing to lay down his life for his sheep. And we know in hindsight that that is exactly what he did. That Jesus was not only saying that he was willing to lay down his life for his sheep, but we know that he did. He laid down his life for us. That's what this is all about. That's what everything at church is all about, the gospel message, that we are sinners and that we are lost without God and that Jesus loved us so much that he died for us. And not only did he die for our sins, but that he rose from the grave. That's, what, that's all that this is about. Everything else, it doesn't matter. The gospel message is all that matters. Our shepherd, our good shepherd laid down his life for us. But secondly, we read in there the idea that he knows us that our good shepherd knows us. He knows each and every one of us this morning. We spent the last four weeks talking about the names of God, and I, I really hope for each of us that's been helpful. It's been encouraging to us. But I just want to encourage us one last time with these different names of God. Because we talked about Elohim, and that reminds us that God created us and that we are not accidents. We talked about Jehovah Jireh that reminds us that God will provide for his people. God will provide for you. We talked about Jehovah Shalom that reminds us that God has a peace that this world cannot offer us. This morning we looked at Jehovah Rohi that reminds us that God is our shepherd and that he is always watching out for his sheep. We also this morning looked at Jehovah Rapha that reminds us that God is our healer and he wants to bring healing in our life today. Jehovah Sid Cano reminds us that God has a plan for you and I in the way that we should live our lives. Elroy reminds us again that God sees us and that he knows what's going on, that he is right there with us. And then lastly, Jehovah Mekadishkim reminds us that he has set us apart, not only in this life, but for all of eternity. Let's pray. Father, we love you and we thank you so much. Father, we could spend months talking about your names and talking about who you are. And yet this morning, Lord, I pray that you would help us to understand that you are our shepherd, that you so care for us as your sheep. Lord, I pray that every single person here would know and understand that, that you have your eye on them and you have their eye on them because you love them and you care for them. Thank you for being that good shepherd. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit us at wvcch.org or you can join us live in one of our Sunday services. Have a great day.